You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. says in verse 6, for I, Paul says, I am ready to be poured out like a drink offering at the time of my departure as hand. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. And that's my charge to you, brothers and sisters, saints. Fight the good fight. Keep the faith. No matter what the persecution comes by your way, no matter what happens, no matter what the world tries to do and squeeze you and pull you, keep There will always be difficulties anywhere you go. Does that mean that nothing is worth doing? Of course not. Overcoming difficulties is one of the many things that makes us human, and that extends to our faith. In today's message, Pastor Gary reminds us to keep our faith steadfast, no matter what happens. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 24. As he continues his message, he advanced the kingdom, but fell short of commitment. If I'm sowing wheat in the field and I want more wheat, I'm going to put more seeds out there to get more wheat. It's simple of that. It's simple. But if I go out and just sow little things at a time, I'm not going to get that. So we have this thing. And Paul brings it into a law of giving, saying that if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. This is the law of God. It's interesting. And you know what? In Malachi 3, it's almost as if... God says, prove me, try me, prove me if I'm wrong. In Malachi 3, verse 10, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that will not be room enough to receive it. He's proved God. It's a basic law that works here. I can't explain how it works. Only God knows how it works. But I've seen it working in my life. I've seen it working time. And God says, prove me and see if it doesn't work. Notice it says, let each of you. So it's an individual thing. Let each of you. It's individual. Again, I don't, give, don't give. That's, <laughs> that won't affect anything that I do. Give, don't give. It doesn't matter to me. But you got, you, it's between you and God. How much? It's between you and God. I, I don't Just give it with a willing heart. Give it with a willing heart. Don't begrudging it. Do it purposely with a good heart. If you begrudgingly give, God takes that as an affront. He's not real happy when you begrudgingly give something to him. He doesn't like that. When someone gives you something and gripes about it, what do you want to do? I want to give it back. I don't want this. Get out of here. Don't want it. Keep it. I don't want it. Don't take gifts with strings attached. There's no strings attached with God. He doesn't attach any strings to it. He doesn't attach any strings to it, I guarantee. I love it when people come to me and go, you know, we're going to throw this out, but we want to give it to the church. No, get rid of it. Goodbye, throw it out. Use our dumpster. Get out of it. Because then it becomes our obligation to put it someplace, you know. But God doesn't want you to give him begrudgingly. He doesn't want you to give to get attitude. God says, you do it that way, keep it. 
He doesn't pressure you to give. Anyhow. So things were going good for Joash. Everything was going good. The money was coming in. He was able to get all the fixtures, the spoons and the forks and the knives and all the stuff he needed for the sacrifices. The temple was repaired and they could worship God again in their temple. It was a fantastic thing. What a glorious thing to think about. They could once again worship in their temple. I felt so bad for the friends of mine in Calvary Chapels up north after Hurricane Sandy hit, and they lost everything. They were wiped out. It was horrid. We even went up to a church up in the highlands. We went up there for a while and helped them out a little bit, you know, but it was horrid. I can imagine the thrill it was for them to regain the church and come back in and worship. This is what's happening here. They were so excited to be back in there. The people started drawing closer to the Lord, and everything was going great. Everything was going wonderful. Verse 15 and 16. But, this is not a but God, this is a but Jehoiada. But Jehoiada grew old and was full of days, and he died. He was 130 years old when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good things in Israel, both towards God and God's house, his house. Jehoiada dies at a ripe old age of a buck 30. God bless him. After that, when Jehoiada was no longer Joash's counselor, when he was no longer Joash's priest, when Joash no longer was sitting under him, the decline started. Down they went. Things began to go downhill for the kingdom and the king. Joash started listening to the people instead of going to the Lord. One commentator said, Joash seems to be a fundamentally weak man. He did good when he was under the influence of Gali Jehoiada, but he did bad when he was under the influence of these leaders of Judah who led him into idolatry. So I guess I have to ask the question which I've asked from this podium many, many times. Where do you go for your counsel? When you're struggling, where do you go? Well, we know we go here. We go to God's word. The Holy Spirit in you should lead you to God's word to get your counsel. And you might go to someone and ask if they can help you. You've got to make sure you go to the right people for your counsel because some people will give you good advice. Some people will not give you good advice. Some people will give you godly advice. Some people won't. Some people will be spiritual. Some people will not. And some people won't tell you what you want to hear. I want the guys who serve with me on my leadership to be able to tell me the things I don't want to hear sometimes. I want that. Because I want to be able to check things out. I want to be able to check things out. So you want to make sure you don't go from this person to that person to this person. And all of a sudden, that's what I want to hear. That's it. That's from the Lord. Because of what you had in your mind, you've got to be careful. Very, very careful. Look at 17 and 18. Now, after the death of Jehoiada and the leaders of Judah came and bowed down to the king, and king listened to them. Therefore, they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served wooden images and idols. And look what happened. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. You want to get yourself in a world of hurt? Sometimes... You go to counselors who give you the bad advice and you follow their advice and the next thing you know, you're in a world of hurt. You're in a bind. You're in a world of hurt because you followed yourself and not the spirit. And you know what? If you're someone's friend and they come to you and the spirit is putting upon you to tell them the wrong thing, tell them. Tell them. Be bold in the spirit to tell them. 
to tell them. Because I got news for you. If you don't and they follow your advice and things go wrong, guess who's going to be knocking at your door? Well, you told me to do that. Look what happened. They left the house of God. They were worshiping the Lord. They were having these great worship services, and they left the house of God only to start worshiping idols again. This is what happens when we stop coming to church to worship. We begin to look elsewhere. We get distracted. We start thinking of other things, and we we don't esteem the body of Christ. We start worshiping other things instead of the Lord, and it happens so fast, and we start to go downhill. When this happened, the Lord became displeased with the kingdom of Judah, and his wrath came upon the kingdom. But the Lord being gracious and long-suffering doesn't do anything right away. Instead, he sends prophets. He sends prophets into, into Judah to talk to them, to tell them that they're going the wrong way. Verse 19, yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord. And they testified against them, but they would not listen. Man, if I'm going the wrong way, I want someone to tell me. I want someone to tell me. I'm going the wrong way. I want someone to tell me. They wouldn't listen, especially the king. This might have been a greater sin than leaving the house of the Lord and going after other gods. Joash refused to listen to the messengers God sent. And this was bad. So he sends another prophet. Look at 20 and 22. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, who stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he will also forsaken you. So they conspired against him, and at the command of the king, they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness of Jehoiada his father had done to him, but killed his son as he died. He said, The Lord, look on it and repay. Ooh. Ooh. It's interesting to me that in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 13, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. And Matthew even uses the name of Zechariah. But I don't think it's the same Zechariah because the name of the father is different. Jesus talks to that. Jesus lamenting over Jerusalem. Zechariah's dying words was a plea to God. Get him. <laughs> Take care of him, God. Get him. Asking God to repay according to his justice. Zechariah left vengeance to God. Is a perfect prayer of the persecuted. Leave all vengeance in the hand of a merciful God who is very wisdom and will have who has your back. In verse 37, excuse me, in verse 27, late David, 23 to 27, we see what happens. So it happened in the spring of the year that the army of Syria came up against him and came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the leaders of the people from among the people and sent all their spoil to the king of Damascus. For the army of the Syrians came with a small company of men, but the Lord delivered a very great army into their hand because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. So they executed judgment against Joash. And when he had withdrawn from him, for they left him severely wounded, his own servants conspired against him because of the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest and killed him on his bed. 
So he died, and they buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. These are the ones who conspired against him, Zabad, the son of Shimneth, the Ammonitus, and Jehoiabad, the son of Zimrith, the Moabitus. Now, with two names like that, you know they're bad guys. Come on. Zabad and Jehozabad. Come on. They got bad at the name of their end. Come on. They're bad guys. Yay, Jabad. Come on. Now, concerning his sons and the many oracles about him and repairing the house of God, indeed, they're written in the annals of the book of the kings. Then Amaziah, his son, reigned in his place. It's interesting that God had promised his people, if they would be obedient, they would be blessed beyond numbers back in Leviticus. When they were disobedient, they would suffer greatly. He said this in Leviticus also. When I read this and I read all these things, you know what came over me? I thank the Lord I was born in the age of grace. <laughs> I thank the Lord I was born in the age of grace and not, not, not in the age of the Old Testament. Man, I thank the Lord that I was born that way. Thank you, Jesus. So we wrap this up. We see a king who started out well, but he didn't finish well. When you look at the end of the reign of Joash, you get a stark contrast to how he began. As a child, he was remarkably preserved by the providential hand of God through kindness of a God-fearing woman, and his grandmother massacred his brothers. He was kept safe in the house of the Lord for six years of his childhood. One would think he would never have forgotten how much he owed the watchful eye and care of God. You would think he would never get over that. He had been surrounded with good influences. Jehoiada watched over him like a father. In fact, even the scriptures call Jehoiada his father. When he came to the throne, Jehoiada had caused him to enter into a new covenant with God. And he began his reign with religious reformation. But he ended it with a shameful forsaking of God. He didn't destroy the high places. His reformation was not complete. He left a future for evil to exist. He didn't take it all the way. He didn't finish what he was supposed to do. We need to be careful of beginnings of evil, even if they're small. We see these little bits of evil coming into our lives. We need to stamp them out and get rid of them. Don't let them take a foothold or they'll grow. To Joash, it seemed a smaller matter to retain the high places. But a small act of negligence or, a want to, or, or, or want to encourage prepared the way for national idolatry, an ultimate downfall. He listened to evil counselors. It was an evil day for Joash when Jehoiada passed away. Evil company brings down good habits. We've talked about that multiple times. And he disregarded the warnings of God. He disregarded God's warning. He, God sent prophets to them. Send prophets to them, and thus says the Lord. No, no, no. Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, came with a special warning. But here we see a hardening of his heart. Joash didn't pay attention to his warning. Instead, he put him to death. He killed. Killed. Kind of a picture of Jesus, because God sent his son Jesus to earth to tell the earth about him and how they could come back to a relationship with him. And look what they did to him. The messenger of God may suffer for his faithfulness in rebuking sin. John the Baptist was imprisoned by Herod, but no royal power can stay the judgments of God. That's what happened here. God's judgment was greater, and it fell upon them. The nation had forsaken God, so God forsook them. Many, many like him begin well, but finish poorly. The scriptures are filled with men and women that began well and finished poorly. 
They make a great profession of faith at first. They're on fire for the Lord. They go out, they do all sorts of things, and all of a sudden, poof, they're done. A little bit of compromise, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Next thing you know, they drift. They're off. They're off. Some people, like the sower, the, the parable of the sower, a little bit of persecution, and they run. They cry. They go back, and they don't walk with Christ anymore. Or they become worldly-minded. They look to the world for their answers instead of God. It's a sad thing. This is what we see. He advanced the kingdom, but he fell short of his total commitment of God. You know, just last week, we did a memorial service for a dear saint, Donna Penrose, who came here every Sunday when she could on fair free transportation or whatever, with her wheelchair, no matter if it's raining or not, and she came and she sat over there. And I used this scripture to define her because I really felt like it defined her. It really did. And I don't mind using it tonight because I want to be able to say this at the end of my life. I want to be able to say this when I'm done, when I know the Lord's finished with me, when the Lord is ready. I want to be able to say this like Paul when he says in 2 Timothy 4, he says in verse 6, For I, Paul says, I am ready to be poured out like a drink offering at the time of my departure as hand. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. And that's my charge to you, brothers and sisters, saints. Fight the good fight. Keep the faith. No matter what the persecution comes by your way, no matter what happens, no matter what the world tries to do and squeeze you and pull you, keep the faith. One of the things that we know that Jesus is looking for when he returns to earth is faith. Will I find faith? We need to keep the faith. We need to be Jehoiadas in each other's lives. We need to continue. You can do it. Stay the course. Keep faith. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, 58. Be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work in the Lord is not in vain in the Lord. There's a reason it's there. We need to keep each other accountable. We need to keep each other focused. We need to keep each other moving forward in the Lord. And that's what we do. And I'm so delighted that you're here tonight because it shows me that you want to do that. You want to keep going. We have got to do that. We want to finish well. We want to finish well. We want to run the race. It's not a sprint. Christian race is a marathon. It's a marathon. If you've ever run a marathon, you know what I'm talking about. We might be at mile marker 20 and hit the wall. But we're going to push through and we're going to continue to run the race with vigor and with hope, knowing the prize that waits for us at the end. The prize. Jesus Christ, May 6, 1979. I ran the mile high of Denver United Bank Marathon out in Denver. It was 80-some-odd degrees that day. Not a good day to be running. Not a good day to be running 26 miles, 385 yards. Not a good day. And I ran, and I had a couple of my track kids come out, and they helped me pace. Well, I went out too fast. And about mile marker 15, I was gassed. Man, I was gassed, but I pushed through. I continued to run, walk a little bit, run a little bit, walk a little bit, run a little bit. We came to mile marker 20. Mile marker 20 was at the bottom of the governor's mansion in Denver, Colorado. The governor's mansion sits up here. You're down here. 
and I ran up that thing like I was sprinting a hundred yard dash because the Lord, I, just, I didn't have the Lord at that time. I ran up there and I wanted to finish. I got up there and there was an aid station and an EMT came out and said, look at me eyes. I said, no, you're not taking me out of this race. And I continued to run. I continued to run. When I got to downtown, I could hear the cheering. I could hear them cheering on the next street. I turned the corner, and I was dead. I, I, you know, my tongue was dragging on the, you know, my tongue was eight blocks long as I drug it with me. I turned that corner, and there must have been a throng of people five and six deep. And they had the banner up there with the time, and these people were cheering all the, boy, did I run. Boy, did I run. I came across that finish line, man, that was so good. And that's what we're to do with Christ. We're to come across that finish line, no matter how tired we are, no matter how exhausted we are, no matter how much defeated we feel, we're going to come across that finish line. When I came across that finish line, all I got was a glass of water. When we come across our finish line, Jesus Christ is going to be standing there with his arms open. And you're going to run into him and he's going to hug you and you're going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to finish strong. No matter what it takes, we want to finish strong. And that means we need each other. We need each other to be strong for each other, to tell each other the truth. Brother, sister, you're going the wrong way. And then we need to take that to the Word of God and let it sink into our heart. And then do what God tells us to do. Do what the Spirit tells us to do. That's what it's about. That's what a true Christian does. A true Christian is faithful to his friends, to his brothers and sisters. Faithful, doesn't want to see anybody depart, doesn't want to see anybody fall off the wayside. When they ask for our opinion, we tell them. Even if it means hurting them because they don't want to hear the truth. It's not easy, folks. It's not easy. But that's what we're called to do. Because there's not a person in this place that doesn't want to finish well. There's not one of you that doesn't want to finish well. We all want to finish well. We all want to receive that prize. We all want to hear those words from Jesus Christ himself. And I want to see you there. I want to see you there. Not that you won't get there, but you might get there on fire. Pants might be on fire. You might get there. I want to finish well. I don't want this to happen to us. Start out great, and all of a sudden, yeah, you might have some trouble sometimes. Yeah, I'm not saying you're not going to fall on your face every now and then, get bruised and skinned. I'm not going to say that, but pick yourself up and continue to walk. Continue to believe. Okay, you made a mistake. Confess with the Lord. He's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from unrighteousness. Get up and walk and continue the race. Forget about those things that are behind me. Press on to the goal. Keep pressing on. That's what we do. And that's what we're supposed to do. And if you need somebody to come out and run with you, call somebody. I'm hurting here. I need somebody to come run with me. And that's what we do. We come out and we run with each other. We work with each other. We help with each other. And we're there for each other. That's what we do as Christians. Because if you think it's bad now, it's going to get worse. So we need each other. I don't want to see anybody fall short in commitment to the Lord. Because we need each other. You are a Thank you for joining us here today on A Sure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of 2 Chronicles. The book follows the kingship of Solomon all the way through until both Judah and Israel are taken over by other kingdoms surrounding them. There are many moments of great faith within these pages and also typical moments of falling away from where Israel had begun. 
but the moments of faith put a spotlight on God and His amazing ways of coming through for His people. No matter the situation, God is on the throne. He's more powerful than any opposing country or enemy that's coming against you. So take courage and believe God for big things today. If you're enjoying this series from Assure Hope, we invite you to check out more messages at assurehoperadio.com. Get to know more about Pastor Dave while you're there. You can also get a feel for the church behind this ministry, too. That church is Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. Please feel free to explore our website to get more information on service times and other useful information. If you're not in the area, why not find us on Facebook or YouTube? We live stream our services to both of these platforms. Find links to both of these on our website, assurehoperadio.com. If for any reason you'd like to email us, you're welcome to do that as well. Our email address is info at capewatchradio.com. Our time is up for now, but make sure you come back again for another edition with Pastor Dave, teaching through the book of Second Chronicles on a sure hope. If rescue-